interesting watching the graduates come across the stage because I remember a lot of them when they were they were little children, and uh, which makes me realize that I'm getting older. And I was reminded of this this week. I went uh, yesterday. I went to get my haircut and uh, went up to the place right next to Publix. And I was getting my haircut, and the girl was talking to me. She's cutting my hair, and then she asked me a question. She said, "Do you have the privilege of being a grandfather?" Okay, so I'm sitting there in the chair. I didn't know she was talking to me. So I just sat there and ignore her. And she's like, excuse me. And I was like, you're talking to me? I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I couldn't believe it. So, you know, I'm, I am, I, my confidence was absolutely, like, shattered right there. Then, you know, she talks to me, and I invited her to church. I said, you need to go to First Baptist, you jerk. Uh, anyway, uh, so it was, uh, so I know the preacher there. He's old. Um, so... But anyway, so watching the kids come up, I was just reminded that, you know, I'm an old dirtbag. So uh, anyway, if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking in Daniel chapter 3. I thought that was a good segue, you know, just heading right into uh, Daniel chapter 3. Uh, we are continuing our study today through the book of Daniel, which is turning out to be, uh, for me, it's just, it is such a neat book to go through because I think as we look at Daniel and, of course, some of the other main characters in the book, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, by the way, we'll be talking about today, I am more and more convinced that we need men and women of God who have the conviction and the courage that we're going to see from these, from these people uh, today, especially in our text. Um, well, if you're turning there, Daniel chapter 3, I'll tell you a story in the meantime. There was a guy named Ray Blankenship, lived in Ohio, and uh, he was in his house, he's looking out the back kitchen window, drinking coffee, and they had a, a, a stream uh, or a ditch that was became a stream because of the heavy rains. There's just water pouring down. It says like white water going down it, and there was a girl screaming for help as she was caught up in that water flow. Now, Blankenship saw her, and he knew at the end of the road that there was a culvert that that water would, would dive over into, and he knew if she got in there, he would shove her under the water, and more than likely she would drown. And so he put his coffee down down, ran out of the house, tried to get ahead of her, and as she's coming by, he jumps into the water, grabs on to this little girl, and people were saying they were just like cartwheeling down that stream. The water was, was so rough, they, they could barely keep their head above water. And he knew they were in dire straits, and so Blankenship's reaching out, trying to grab onto anything that he could pull himself out of that, that creek with, and he finally comes across a boulder, grabs onto it, and is able to hang on. And he's able to pull himself and that girl out of the water. Now, this is a Paul Harvey story. And so, as you know, Paul Harvey's stories, there's the rest of the story. Now, after he pulled the girl out, of course, the media came out. The fire department was already there. He gets a lot of great publicity. And he ends up being awarded the Coast Guard Silver Life-Saving Medal Award. Now, here's the rest of the story. The reason why it was such an incredible story, besides what had happened, is that Ray Blankenship was a man who did not know how to swim. And so anytime you hear stories like that, you know, stories of, of courage and stories of somebody doing something selfless, it gets our attention. And the reason why is because we are so used to people putting themselves first over everybody else. I mean, we're so used to seeing people stepping on others to kind of shove their way to the front that anytime you hear a story of somebody acting courageously, I mean, it really does get your attention. Now, I tell that story because I believe that as Christians, we are going to have more and more of opportunities to stand out from the rest of the world. 
from the rest of society. Uh, in our country, the Judeo-Christian ethic has been, a, it really is, it is a part of the fabric of the founding of this nation. But as time goes by, we are moving further and further away from that. And in my estimation, and you don't have to agree with me, but in my estimation, it is happening even faster now than ever before. And so the question for the church, the question for Christians is, you know, if that's the case, then how are we going to respond? You know, how are we going to live our lives? Are we going to hold firmly to what God teaches and what Scripture teaches? Or instead, are we going to try to live our lives in such a way that we're going to try to please men? To try to please the people around us. And that's why I think that the book of Daniel is so relevant for today. Because what we're going to see is there's a group of men, a group of men who are men of God, who are facing persecution. Now, as I, as I say that, and I've talked to you a little bit already, I don't, I'm not an alarmist, or at least I don't think I am. I don't think I'm an alarmist here, but I just think that we really need to begin the process of preparing ourselves, understanding the world is changing. It's changing rapidly, and, and our beliefs and our values are no longer held in high esteem, but they are seen as being something that is antiquated and outdated. And if we are going to hold to our God that we say we believe in, then we need to be prepared and understand that time is, is changing. And it's going to require courage on our part to honor God. And that's why I think this story today is so appropriate for us. It is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you grew up in church, and if you grew up in the kind of church I did, you might remember, y'all remember flannel boards? Uh, this is for people that are really old, like Grandpa here. Uh, so, you know, you had flannel boards. I still remember the teacher, she'd put up these little flannel board figures, and then she'd put up the fiery furnace. So it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the fiery furnace. That's what we're talking about today. And we're going to be seeing this story in Daniel chapter 3, verse number 8. And we're going to see these men, had, these men had incredible courage. This has always just been a story to me. But as I look at these three men, I come away saying, these guys, are they are worth emulating. I mean, I would love to be like them, to see how strong they were. Now, the background of the story is King Nebuchadnezzar had just erected a 90-foot-tall gold statue, and that's obnoxious in itself, 90 feet tall. And he has all the people come together, and he tells them, I want you, we're going to play music, and then I want you to bow down and worship this statue. Now, I, I don't know what the deal was. I think more than anything, it's that if he gets them to bow down, it's a, it's a sign that they are being obedient and they're expressing their allegiance to the king. But if the king of the only world power at this time tells you to bow down and worship, what do you do? I mean, typically you're going to say, well, I'm going to do what he says. You know, he's the guy that's in charge here. Now, he makes it a little easier to do because he says, and if you don't do this, then I'm going to burn you to a crisp. Okay? So you have that bow down or you burn. Okay? So I'm thinking I don't like to burn, so it would be easy to bow down. Now, that's the backdrop of the story. And we're getting ready to see three men who see what's going on, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they have a choice to make. They have a decision to make, and their decision happened to be one of courage. And I believe today we need Christians, believers, followers of God, 
have to have demonstrations of courage in their lives and in their faith if people are going to begin to understand that we truly love God and we truly believe in what he says. Now, what kind of demonstrations of courage do we need to see? And we're going to see what we need to see through the lives of these three men that we're talking about. The first demonstration of courage we need to see is a courage not to bow. A courage not to bow down to the ways of this world. I want you to look with me in verse 8. It says, some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. And they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. So they're buttering him up here. And they said, you as king have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music must fall down and worship the gold statue. And whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And then verse 12. There are some Jews you've appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men have ignored you. They've ignored the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. Now back in verse 2, at the beginning of the chapter, the king's erected this statue. He gets all of his leaders to come. He wants them to bow down. And he wants them to bow down. It's a sign that they are that they are submissive to him and to his leadership. Now, again, just in case they were wondering if they should do this, he already has the fire going. All right? It's like, bow down. And by the way, there's a fire over there. And if you don't bow down, we've got a real simple little line. We can just walk you right over and throw you into the fire. And so I mean, this is a pretty this is a pretty intimidating tactic that he's using here. Now, I look at this, and I look at what's going on, and I think, you know, in in so many ways, the world still uses the same playbook that was being used here. You know, we we have many people, I'm not saying everybody, but we have many people in leadership. We have many people in the entertainment industry. We have many people in in, uh, politics. We have many people even in in some uh, church leadership roles who tell us that the best and the easiest thing that we can do is to sell out to yourself and to live for you above all of the other things, to to understand that the world revolves around you. And if it revolves around you, that means that you can live like you want to. You can do as you choose. You will not be held accountable. Nobody will ever be wrong. And I look at that, and I think that's, that's a temptation. I mean, to, to live for me, to live totally, to just simply please myself, to, to never be held accountable, to get to a place where I say, well, you know what, ultimately, nobody is wrong. I mean, you, if you just simply go with what you want to do, then everybody, of course, has to be right. And that's what the world was trying to get these three men to do. The world was telling Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just go with the flow. Bow down and everything will go well with you. Now the other side of that is there's also an intimidating factor. I mean, because if you don't do this, then we're going to burn you. You know, you're not going to live or survive. And I thought, you know, the, the world can play hardball with us like that as well. You see, here's, here's what I'm seeing more and more. I'm seeing that we are told over and over again that if we hold to Scripture that we're outdated, we're ignorant, we're bigoted. If we don't toe the party line, what the world thinks concerning major issues like marriage, 
being between a man and a woman, like creation, believing that God created the earth, believing that life is important, that life is something that is sacred, then, then we are labeled as being backwards and bigoted. And, and I believe that we are moving in a direction where if we hold some of these views and begin to speak them and say, this is what I believe, and, and again, you know, I'm not trying to be an alarmist, I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. I, I believe that we are moving to a time where we will be accused of hate speech, where we will be accused of, of being people who are bigoted, and that means that we will have a hard time holding jobs. Now, now, nobody wants that. Nobody likes to be labeled. I don't like to be labeled. I want everybody to like me and for people to think that I just, I go along with everybody else. I want to be a person that that seems like he is friendly in all circumstances. He's agreeable in all circumstances. But if I do that, then that means that in many ways I will be backtracking on some of the fundamentals of my faith. And so I have a choice to make, and you have a choice to make. Am I going to go with God, or am I going to go with the world? Now, you might say, well, I look into the Bible, and you might say, I don't understand some of this stuff. I don't know why God has some of these views that he has. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Make you feel any better? I don't either. I mean, there's some stuff in this book I do not understand. But I've come to a place, I'm coming to a place where I say, I don't understand, but God I'm going to count on that you are smarter than me and that you are wiser than me and so I am going to go with you instead of going with man. We always have that tension. Am I going to go with the world or am I going to go with God? The Apostle Paul wrote about this in Galatians 1, 10 through 12. He said, am I now trying to win the favor of people or God? That's the tension we have. Am I going to choose people or am I going to choose God? Am I striving to please people? And he said, if I'm still trying to please people, I wouldn't be a slave of Christ. Now I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel preached by me is not based on human thought. For I didn't receive it from a human source. I wasn't taught it, but it came by revelation from Jesus Christ. All right, here's what's interesting to me. One of the biggest mistakes you can make today is to be a nonconformist to the things of this world. And yet, what's interesting is, did you know Jesus calls his followers to be nonconformist? All the time. He tells them, we're not to fit in with the rest of the world. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may test and approve what the will of God is, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. That word conformed, it means do not be fashioned after the ways of the world. In other words, if if you follow Jesus, and we say this a lot, if Jesus touches your life, you you change. You cannot be touched by God and be the same person, right? Does that make any sense? I mean, it changes the way you live. When you got married, it changes who you are. It should. When you get married, it changes the way you behave. It cuts down on dating other people. Have you all noticed that? I mean, marriage changes things. Walking with God will change things. It changes your heart. It changes your mind. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep the mind that is dependent on you. This is what God's saying. In perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. Vance Havner was a famous preacher in North Carolina. He's, he's dead now, but he's had a lot of great little sayings. And one of the things that he said is he said, We're not going to move this world by criticism of it, 
nor by conformity to it, but by the combustion within it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. Guys, let me tell you something. We are not going to change this world by griping all the time. I'm a griper. I can gripe a lot. We'll not change the world. We're not going to change the world by saying, well, I'm just going to give in to what everybody else is doing. That will not change the world. You know what changes the world? When the Holy Spirit moves in your life. It, it will change the world. I look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had a choice to make. So we're going to stand up for God, literally. The king said, bow down. And if you stand, you're going to get burned. These men knew, if we bow down with everybody else, we're not standing for God. So when it came time to bow down, three guys, and the estimates are there were thousands of people in front of this gold statue, 90-foot-tall, obnoxious statue. Everybody bows down but three guys. Do you think they were noticed? They stand out like sore thumbs. But they stood up because they knew if we stand up, somebody's going to ask us why we're standing, and we will be able to glorify God. So they stood. Now, when we stand for God, it's important for us to know it does not always bring wanted attention. There's times when you'll be ridiculed for it. But you know what? God calls for us to stand. And we need demonstrations of courage today as believers to stand for what God's Word says. To be just simply to live it. Now, the first demonstration of courage we need to see is a courage not to bow. But here's the other one. Another demonstration of courage we, we need to see is a courage not to bend. Not to bow and also not to bend, which I'm talking about compromise here. Not compromising who we are in Jesus. Uh, let me read to you verse uh, 13. It says, then in a furious rage, and this is after they haven't bowed down, the king gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar asked these three men, he said, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I've set up? And then he gives them another chance. And if you're ready, when you hear the music play again, because I'm giving you a shot right here, to bow down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you'll immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Now, these are verses I have underlined in my Bible. If you don't have these verses underlined, these are good ones to underline right here. This is my favorite part of the story. All right, here we go. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. Here it is. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. That's bold. Now, here's the part I love. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. These guys are tough. I mean, I'll look at this right here, and I'm not going to stand here and act like that what they did was easy. You know, it's, it's a Bible story. Of course it was easy for them to say this. Y'all, I, I fear, what would have happened? If that's me, I am laying down in a corner sucking my thumb. I, I'm scared to death. These guys stood in front of the king and said, you know, we're not going to do it. And it's not they're being jerks. They said, we serve, we, we serve God. We don't serve you. We serve God. Now, the king gave them another chance. Now, I'm giving you another chance. Bow down or burn. Now, notice he knew their names already. He knew their names because as you look in the chapters before, he already knew Daniel. He knew these three men. He appointed them leaders because they were men who were faithful to God. He knew God's hand of blessing was upon them. So he's trying to get them to, to serve him again so he could use them for his purposes. But these men said, we're not going to do it. We, 
we don't serve you, we serve God. In other words, they were saying, we trust our lives in the hands of a God who is eternal as opposed into the hands of man who is temporary. Now, so many of us want to make deals with God. You know, God, I'll serve you if you give me a promotion. You know, God, I'll, I'll serve you if, if you work out this relationship. God, I will serve you if I get so much money. Guys, let me tell you something. God doesn't make deals with people. God calls for us to obey Him and then to trust Him with results. Now, that's hard to do. He says, you trust me and then you lead the results to me. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They said, we're not going to compromise. We don't know what's going to happen, but we just simply trust that our God is faithful. We simply trust that our God is true. I ran across a really interesting statement regarding this kind of faith. And it's a, it's a little, I mean, it's kind of over the top. And the longer, man, as time goes by, as I watch the news more and more, I think, man, we are headed here. And here's what the man wrote. So when a servant of God can do nothing else, he can at least die like a Christian. Man, I, I was convicted when I read that. When a servant of God might not see rescue coming his way, there's going to be times we're called to die like Christians. These men in our text, they were willing to die. And 2,500 years later, we still talk about these men. Because they had a blind trust. Now, not blind as in they didn't know what they were doing, but they didn't see him, but they had a trust in God. During World War II, there was the Blitz, you know, in England. Was, uh, they, uh, London was undergoing heavy bombardment by Germany. As they were dropping the bombs, uh, I, I believe I read that there was over over a million properties destroyed during the Blitz. Bombs dropping. It was nighttime. A father and his son were rushing, trying to find a place to hide, and there was a shell hole. And the father jumped into the hole. It was nighttime. He turned to his son and said, son, jump to me. And his son said, dad, I... I can't. He said, why not? He said, because I can't see. And the dad said, son, it doesn't matter. He says, I see you jump. And so the son jumped and dad followed. And I thought, you yeah, know, to me, that's, that's a good picture of God. You know, I, I want to see God, and I haven't, just to let you all know. I've never seen him. I want to know a certainty that he exists. I'd like to be able to touch him, but I haven't. And what God is calling me to do and what he's calling you to do, he's saying, listen, we're, we are under attack from the things of this world. And God's saying, listen, your only salvation is going to be me. He said, jump to me. And so many times I say, God, I can't see you. And God's telling us over and over again throughout Scripture, it doesn't matter that you can't see me. I see you. And so when we jump, we jump in faith, trusting that he'll catch us. Now, I look at the men in our text, and I say they gave demonstrations of courage. They, they gave a demonstration of courage and that they, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't bend. And here's the last thing I want us to see. A final demonstration of courage we need to see is we need the courage to believe. We need the courage to believe. Now, I'm going to read to you some of verses 19 through 30. I'll probably stop a little short. It says, the Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage. This is after they say, hey, we're not doing it. And the expression on his face changed towards these three men. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary, and he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they took these men, they threw them into the fire. They threw them into the fire, and Nebuchadnezzar looks, and he's like, I, I see four men in there. 
And so then he calls them to bring them out, and they bring the three men out of the furnace, and they are not burned. There's not even a hair on their head that is singed. What's going on? All right, well, I'll backtrack a little bit. Um, let's see. I guess it was a couple of weeks ago. I was watching ESPN Classic. We had one boy up here who said he's going to Auburn University, so he'll enjoy this story. First service, we had a man from Alabama here. He hated the story. I was watching ESPN Classic. I was watching the Alabama-Auburn football game, This the one that just took place this past fall. Y'all watch that game? Gary Alexander, Zach, I know y'all are excited. Uh, so I'm watching that game, and it's one of those games where it, you know, it was just so crazy. And I already knew what happened because I saw it the first time around. Uh, but, you know, it's they're trying to field goal at the end of the game to win, and Alabama does. I don't know why they kicked it, but they kicked the ball. And it's a little short, guy catches it, and as time's expired, the guy from Auburn runs all the way back for a touchdown to win the game. Um, crazy. I mean, abs- it's, it's insane what happened. Now, if you would have told me before the game that was going to happen, said, ain't no way it's going to happen. Stuff like that does not happen. I wouldn't have believed it. Now, five months later, as I'm watching ESPN Classic, because I'd already seen it, I already knew that it happened, I watched it to the end because I knew what was going to happen, and it was it was just interesting to watch it. Now, it wouldn't have taken much courage on my part to say, I'm going to call that when he kicks this uh, field goal that he's going to miss, this guy's going to run it back 100 yards. And you'd say, really? And I'd say, yes, I watched this five months ago. Now, you'd say, that's not very impressive. Now, here's what's, in, here's, here's what's impressive to me about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Fire is just blazing. The king says, if you don't change your mind, I'm throwing you in there. These men did not know the future. So what did they do? They made a bold statement. They said, throw us in there. (laughs) Is that crazy? We don't care. Throw us in there. Because our God can rescue us. Now he does. The king throws them in, and then he begins to have a math problem. I threw three in. Why do I see four? Who's the fourth guy? Fourth guy, it says, Nebuchadnezzar recognizes him as one of the sons of the gods. Commentators say he was the son of God. Now, I don't know who it was exactly. I know that it was one who was sent from God to protect them. And they came out of the fire unscathed. And Nebuchadnezzar ends up going, oh, I messed up again. This guy's God is real. But here's what I take away from this story that's really interesting to me. I think it's interesting that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I think this can apply to us, that when they're standing for God and everybody else is bowed down, they did not see God. They didn't see him. They just had faith. When they stand before the king, it says the king is raging at them. The world is against them. They're still hanging on to faith in God. They did not see God. When did they see God? When did they see the presence of God? It wasn't until they were in the flames. Guys, I think that applies to us. You know, there's some of us today, and we look, you know, where's God? God calls us to be faithful. God calls us to trust Him, even as the world might rage against us and say that we're bigoted and backwards and irrelevant. God says you may you remain faithful. You have to choose. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve men? And guys, we, we say, I want to see God. We have people all the time. I would like to see God. Let me tell you something. If we're going to see God, and I believe this is where we are heading, we're not going to see him until we as believers are in the flames. And I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I'm just trying to, God, we've got to get prepared. This world's different today. 
And God is calling for his people to be people of courage. And that's scary to me. Because I don't lie, I'm soft. I'm soft. God's calling us to be people of courage. Because it's in the flames that God shows up. And our world needs to see Jesus. It needs to see Jesus. And Christians, if the world will see Jesus, it will take courage on our part to actually trust him. Here's the challenge. Refuse to bow. Refuse to bend. And believe. Let me share with you two verses I hope are encouragement to you. 1 Corinthians 1.9. It says, God who's called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them, the world. For it is the Lord your God who has gone with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't just talkers. They were doers. They trusted God, even when they didn't see him. And when they're in the flames, they saw him. Christians, this is where we are today. God is calling us to be faithful and to be courageous and to trust him.